when my now wife, Lisa and I, we were dating and, and getting serious and starting to talk about marriage, we were so poor, we had to sit down and figure out could we even afford to get married, you know, to move out of our mom and dad's homes and actually be able to live together as husband and wife. And so I was just a brand new Christian at the time, and Lisa got this worksheet for us to sit down and sort of do a, a budget to figure everything out. And there was this little line on this worksheet that said tithe. And I said to her, well, what's that all about? And she said, well, that means it's the 10% of your income that you give back to God. You, you return it back to him. And so as we continued then to, to work on the worksheet to see if we can afford to get married or not, we came to this line called tithe. And I said, so uh, how much are we going to give? And she looked at me like, you idiot. I told you the word tithe literally means 10%. That's how much you give back to God. You return that back to him. And so I needed to study this a little bit for myself. And one of the things that I came across was Malachi chapter 3. That's where we're going to begin today, Malachi chapter 3. Here, here's what Malachi the prophet, he writes, and again, this is God speaking. It's Malachi 3.8. You people are robbing me, your God. And here you are asking, how are we robbing you? You're robbing me of the offerings and of the 10% that belongs to me. Now, I've shared this with you in the past as we've talked about tithing, that actually instead of rob, the better word, that, translating it into English, is actually extort. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't plan on ever extorting money from anybody. But if I was planning on extorting money from somebody, the last person it would be would be God. We shouldn't be extorting money from God, but yet that's what God says is happening anytime that we're not tithing. What's the result? Well, verse 9, you're suffering under a curse, yet you and the whole nation are still robbing me. Let me just be very, very blunt as we start here this morning. If you're feeling like your money is under a curse, like you can never get ahead, like you're always struggling financially, things always are breaking down on you, things are going wrong, you never can sort of, you know, get away from just being paycheck to paycheck, it's probably because your finances are under a curse because more than likely you're not tithing. So what's the solution? Well, verse 10 then. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough, or enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, this is the only time in all of Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that we're told that we're allowed to test God. Let me say that again. Only one time in all of Scripture are you told that you're allowed to test God, and it's in this thing of the tithe. Return 10% of your income back to him. And he says, if you will do that, I will pour open the floodgates of heaven. I'm going to pour out so much blessing on you that there won't even be room enough to contain it all. And so that's what Lisa and I began to do then. We began to tithe. And sure enough, God's word is not a liar. God is not a liar himself. And God started to pour open the floodgates of heaven on us. Now, I share with you back in week one of the series, we had a lot of money starting to come in. God blessed the businesses that I had all kinds of money coming in. But we were young and stupid, and we blew it all. We were spending it all. Remember back in week one of the series, I shared with you, none of us have an income problem here in America. 
What we do have is a spending problem. Because I don't care if you're making $10,000 a year, $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year. If you're spending $10,000 a year, if you're spending $100,000 a year, if you're spending a million dollars a year, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. So it doesn't matter how much income you have coming in. It matters how much are you spending. And that was the mistake that we made. We were spending all of it. And then God called me to become a pastor. I share with you, in the year 2000, when I became a pastor, my original salary, $22,000 for the entire year. So we went from a six-figure year income down to $22,000. And I said, oh boy, we've got to figure this out. And so that's when we started following the plan that we still follow to this day financially. And I've shared that plan in other series that we've done throughout the years here at Exponential. The most recent one was called Economy. It was right before COVID started. So if you want to look it up online, it was like January of, of 2020. Economy series, you can follow the plan that Lisa and I still follow now 23 years later. And God has blessed us tremendously over those years, continue to bless us. But something else happened in the year 2000. Not only did I become a pastor, but the church that I was a pastor at, we hired a brand new youth pastor. His name was Rick Hines, or still is Rick Hines. And Rick is like the most generous person that I've ever met, or one of the most generous people that I've ever met. And he helped me to see that there is a, a difference between uh, the, the, the tithe and what real giving looks like. That true riches and true blessing has nothing to do with our money, has nothing to do with our finances that there is a blessing, that there's riches far beyond even just this world, and it has little to do with just simply tithing. And so let's go back. Let's look again how uh, God talked there in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. We already read it, but let's look at it again. God says, you people are robbing me, your God, and here you are asking, how are we robbing you? And he says, you are robbing me of the what? You are robbing me of the, the offerings and of the what? And of the 10%. Now, what did I say 10% means? tithe. So what God is saying is you're robbing me of the offerings and of the tithe. And so that's the first thing we need to understand is that there is a difference between tithing and offerings or what we would call giving. Tithe simply means return back to God what is already his. That is not giving. Your tithing is not giving. And thank you. So many of you here, you do tithe. Those of you watching online, many of you are tithing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll talk about the impact of that here in just a little bit. But that's just simply returning back to God what is already his. Remember back in week one of the series here, we said that you don't own anything. You don't have money. You don't have stocks. You don't have investments. You don't have anything. You don't have houses or cars or clothing. It all belongs to God. And the tithe is you simply returning back to him that first 10%, saying that, God, I understand that it is all yours, that I'm just a manager of your stuff, that I have control over money. Money doesn't have control over me. And so Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. It's talked about in the Old Testament. Again, the tithe is simply returning 10% back to God. Giving then doesn't begin until you get to 11%, 12%, 15%, 50%. 50%. You know, my former boss, Rick Warren, 90% of his income now. He, so tithe 10%, then gives 80%, and then he lives off of 10% of it. And this is the area where 
Rick Hines, the, the youth pastor at the first church that I pastor, he really helped me to grow in this and to see that while tithing really isn't an optional thing as followers of Jesus, giving is. Giving is something that you do out of, out of your heart because you want to. And what you'll notice is as you begin to, to give above and beyond the tithe, oh my goodness, the, the joy that that brings into your life. And I saw that in Rick's life. Rick was just blessing people over and over. And sometimes it was financial blessings. Sometimes it was just giving things. In fact, I had to learn to be careful around Rick, what I would say. Because, like, you know, this was 23 years ago. So we still wore, like, suits and ties, you know, and everything for, for church. And I, I came in one day and I said to Rick, hey, that's a, that's a new tie that you have. I, I like it. That, that's a very nice tie. And I was like, is it new? I haven't seen it before. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a new tie. And I said, man, it, it really looks great. He takes the tie off and goes, here, it's yours. And I was like, no, that's not why I didn't want it. But that's just how Rick was. He just wanted to bless people and give in any way that he possibly could. And so he gave and he gave and he gave and he gave. There is so much joy when you learn how to give. And so I wanted to know where that was coming from. What, what was it that he was doing that I didn't? Because again, even as a pastor, I had been tithing for years and God had been blessing for years. But I wanted to know this, this joy that he had in giving. And so he brought me then to 2 Corinthians, a, a passage there where the Apostle Paul is talking to the, the, the people in the, the, uh, the, the churches of Corinth. Remember, Paul had traveled on his missionary journeys and planted many, many churches all around the then known world. And so Paul had gone into Corinth, which is in Greece, and had planted multiple churches there. And Paul writes this letter, and there was a lot of things that were going on with the Corinthians. He was correcting some things, but he says, hey, don't forget about this offering for the, the Jewish uh, Christians that are, are back in, in there in, uh, in Jerusalem, in Israel. So he isn't talking to them about tithing. Remember, the tithe goes to the local church. No, he's talking about this gift, this giving that he wants them to do for the persecuted there in Jerusalem. You see, the, the, the church in Jerusalem was going, undergoing great persecution. They were suffering as Christians. And he's like, look, as Christians throughout the, the rest of the world, we need to come alongside them and support them. In much the same way that Exponential, you know, our brothers and sisters down in Haiti, that we come alongside them. And I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit of some of the things that we do for them. So it's giving to help other Christians. And that's what Paul's talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what he writes. It's verses 6 and 7. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. Or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives what? God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so today as we continue this series called Simple Money, Rich Life, I want to talk to you about that next part of the paraphrase of something that John Wesley said 300 years ago. We've been looking at it throughout the entire series. Hopefully you've got it memorized by now. There's four things you should be doing with your money. They're going to put it on the screen right now. But hopefully you can already close your eyes and just say it with me, right? We're going to do what? We're going to save all we, or, or earn all that we can. We're going to save all we can. We're going to give all we can. And then we're going to enjoy it all. Let's do it again. We're going to earn all we can. We're going to save all we can. We're going to give all we can. And then we're going to enjoy it all. So we've already talked about 
saving all you can and earning all you can. Today we're going to talk about giving. Next week will be about how to enjoy it all. But let's talk about giving. Again, giving is above and beyond the tithe. And giving may be financially, giving may be something else, another possession, like Rick gave me a tithe, maybe something else that you do. The tithe goes to the local church that you consider, you know, the, the place that, that spiritually supports you and, and feeds you. In this case, for many of you, that would be exponential. But giving, giving can go wherever you feel prompted. It could be additional giving that you give to exponential, but it could be that, hey, my neighbor needs help with their groceries, so I'm going to give them some money towards that. It could be a coworker that's struggling in some way, and so you decide to help them. It could be a complete stranger. It could be a, an organization, you know, the, the, the Red Cross or Salvation Army or, or whatever. It, it could be Bethesda Mission. You know, that's one that we at Exponential. We support Bethesda Mission. Giving is above and beyond the tithe. And so that can go anywhere that God is, is, is uh, sort of prompting you to do that. The key is be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And then as you feel prompted, then you give. And Paul says, you have got to decide in your heart how much to give. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it under any type of pressure. And what type of pressure or reluctance may there be? Well, it could be pressure you're getting from the person that's asking you for help. You know, somebody's, please, just please help me. I need help with this. Well, just because they're begging doesn't need that you need to give. Again, you got to give as the Spirit of God prompts you to give and help that need. Uh, don't do it because other people are pressuring you. Like, oh, look, everybody else at Exponential is giving towards this, so you need to give toward. No, you don't do that either. And, and don't give under the, the pressure that you put on yourself of you look around and you see that, okay, everybody else in my office is giving towards this donation for, you know, kids at Christmas time. I guess I need to as well. No, again, you do it as the Spirit of God is prompting you. You've got to be always listening. What is the Spirit saying? Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. And it's amazing. Not only does God love it, but you're going to love it as well because there's benefits not only in this life but the life to come as well. And those benefits are going to go beyond your wildest expectations. So here's a way to think about it, and this is an illustration that Bob Lotek uses in his book that we're basing this series off of. But how many of you ever been to like a carnival or a fair before? You ever been there? Those of you online, you can type that in chat. You ever, you ever been there before? You've been to the carnival or the fair? How many of you have bought tickets while you're there, the, you know, to ride the rides, to do the games, all that kind of stuff? How many of you have bought more tickets sometimes than probably what you should have because you're trying to win that big stuffed bear, you know, for your kid or whatever? So you, you buy all these tickets. Let me ask you another question. How many of you try to use up every single ticket that you bought by the end of the night or by the end of the week? How, how many of you, you, you try to do all of them? Right. Here's the question. Why? Why do you use up every single ticket? What was it? To get your, to get your money's worth. But what else happens at the end of the fair with those tickets? How much are they worth? Nothing. They're worthless. And so you spend every single ticket that you can while you're there because it's going to be worthless afterwards. And what we need to realize is that our lives are exactly like that fare. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. I don't care how much stocks you have, what your 401k looks like. I don't care about your houses or your cars, your possessions. I don't care about any of those things. Once your life is over, all of those things are completely worthless. 
except when they're not. You're going, wait a second, what do you mean by that? Well, let's go back to the, the fair illustration again. Let's say at the, 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 the carnival, at the fair, you buy a 1,000 tickets. At the end of the fair, they're worthless. But what if I told you, here's what I'm going to do for you. I've got a special offer just for you. Every single ticket there at the fair that you give away to somebody else, I'm actually going to give you 10 real dollars that you can put into your bank account. In other words, once the fair is over, you still have that money in your account, and you can use it however you want. So you got got 1,000 tickets. I'm going to give you $10 for every single ticket. How many are going, man, I'm giving away as many tickets as I possibly can? And I want you to think about this. You have a limited window of time to do that because the fair is closing on Friday. And so, man, you're going and you're just giving out ticket after ticket after ticket. Why? Because you know Gilbert's giving you $10 for every ticket that you're giving away to somebody else. And think about the joy that you're going to have as you give it because as you hand it to a family that maybe they couldn't afford to be there at the carnival, but you're saying, hey, here's some tickets. Go take your family tonight. Enjoy the rides. Enjoy all the games. Can you see the smiles on that family's face that they couldn't afford to go? But now they can because you were generous towards them. Can you hear the laughter as the families are doing the rides? Can you see the little kids waving on the merry-go-round as they keep going round and around and around and around? So it gave that family great joy. It gives you great joy, and you get benefit beyond the fair. You now have money stored up in your account that you can use however you want. You're going, man, Gilbert, I wish, <laughs> I wish there was some deal like that that we could have you know, here because I'd be giving a lot of tickets away. Well, Jesus says you can. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. And this will do what? This will store up treasure for you where? In heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Jesus basically is saying, give away your fair tickets. Give away everything that you have. Give it away. Make deposits into your heavenly account where true riches are kept. And you see, I think the number one thing that's going to keep you from becoming radically generous here is if you continue to think that this earth is your home. But what you need to understand is this earth is not your home. We are just passing through in this lifetime. This 50, 70, 100 years that you have on this earth, it is very, very short in comparison to all of eternity. This is not your home, so stop living like it is. Jesus says, give away the things that you have here. Be generous. Give it away. That way you're storing up for yourselves treasures in your home where you are going to live forever. 
So stop worrying that you don't have the latest and greatest iPhone and this and that and the other and that your car is, oh my goodness, my car is three years old now. I need to go get another. No, drive the thing until it's dead. Stop spending money that you don't have. Take the other principles we've looked at throughout this series. Do not live off of 100% of your income. Save up. Earn more. Why? So you can be more radically generous. And what you'll find is as you are generous, as you keep giving away, you can't outgive God. He just keeps pouring out blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing on you. Why? Because you've discovered that it's not about storing up stuff here. It's about storing up for yourself eternal riches in your heavenly account. And so no wonder Paul in Acts 20 verse 35 he, he, he writes first, and then he quotes Jesus, and he says this. By everything I did, this is Paul again. He says, by everything I did, I showed you how you should work to help everyone who is in need. Remember that our Lord Jesus said, more blessings come from giving than from, from receiving. You think that you're blessed when you're receiving a bunch of stuff? No, 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 no. Real blessing comes when you give and you give and you give and you give. All right, so let's take some time then and look at what are some of these principles then that we can learn to live out a life of generosity. Well, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, it's there on your outline. Number one, I must be aware that opportunities for giving are all around me. Opportunities for giving are all around me. 2013, Harvard Medical School, they did a sort of a, a study where they brought in like hundreds and hundreds of radiologists and, and they, they wanted to see, could they spot um, in lungs like these little nodules that would be like cancerous uh, types of things. So actually the, the picture's gonna be on the screen here for you. Uh, can you spot the cancerous nodules um, in there? Can anybody spot the, the cancer? Anybody a radiologist here? <laughs> You're not spotting it. Do you actually, do you spot anything though in the, uh, the Somebody's pointing at it. Okay, a couple people. What, what do you see? What? Yeah, a gorilla. Everybody see the gorilla in the upper right-hand corner? Do you see it now? Upper right-hand corner. See the gorilla? Now, here's the deal. If you're not spotting it, it's okay. Because 83% of the radiologists didn't spot it either. These are people who are trained to be looking at these types of things, and they didn't see it. Even though this gorilla is 49 times larger than the nodules that they're trained how to find. Now, these radiologists, they have to go to medical school. They have to go to an additional school for radiology. But yet, 83% of them did not spot the gorilla in this photo here. And here's the deal. It's not like they didn't see it, like with their eyeballs. They're going to put another picture on the screen here. They actually were tracking where their eyeballs were looking. And so this is the, for the 83%, this was the average track that their eyes took. You notice that it went, the blue there is going right over the gorilla. So they saw it with their eyes, but yet they didn't actually see it. And so the thing here is the difference wasn't a matter of what was there. It was a difference of what were they looking for. It's the same way with God's blessings. Every single day in your life, there are opportunities for you to bless somebody. They're there, 
you're just not seeing them. Just like the radiologists, they didn't see the gorilla that was there on the screen. We miss these opportunities all the time. And by the way, we miss those things in our own lives as well. God is blessing you every day. But oftentimes you don't see God's blessing because you're not looking for it. That the little things, you know, when Lisa and I like pull into, uh, I was going to say Walmart, but I can't even tell you the last time we were in a Walmart. But, uh, you know, when we pull into a shopping center or something, you know, when, when that first spot there, like right by the door opens up, I recognize that. That's a, that's a blessing of God. Most people are like, you know, just all good. You know, I'm in and out. I thank God for that when things like that happen. When I'm hitting all the green lights, I stop and I thank God for that, right? <laughs> so there, there's many things that are God's blessing, and, and we just simply don't see it. And so we should thank him for it. And so what you need to do is, first of all, realize that this, this spiritual blindness, this blessing blindness is a real thing. And then number two, just keep your eyes open. Be looking around every single person that you look at throughout this next week. Just ask yourself, God, is there something that you're saying that I need to bless them in some way? And you know what? Most of it, God's going to say no. But you may feel the Spirit of God then prompting you that, yeah, that person, you need to bless them. That person behind you in line at, you know, the Starbucks. Now, again, remember that was the one treat per month. We talked about that in week one, right? Not every day, that, that one time the month that you're doing that because we're saving money. Buy, the, buy it for them. You're like, but Gilbert, you said we only had $20 a month to do it. That's going to make $10 out of my money now if I bless them. Trust God. Trust God. When you are radically generous, the weirdest things happen. I'll share with you a story. I was just down in Costa Rica with Levi here a couple weeks ago. We're doing some mission work down there. I taught at a pastor's conference. On the flight down, it was actually the second leg of my flight to Costa Rica. So I had to go to Birmingham, Alabama, and then it was Birmingham to Houston. I was tired. So the flight takes off. I sort of wake up for a little bit, and the lady next to me says, well, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to Costa Rica. And she's like, really? What are you going to Costa Rica for? I was like, I'm a pastor. I'm going to teach. And she's like, oh, that, that's pretty cool. Do you believe in deliverance? <laughs> you know, that's a weird, weird question to ask, right? Was, it just like maybe gave a one-minute explanation for, you know, uh, that and stuff. She's like, okay, thanks. I'm back asleep again. But then I'm woken up because I hear this, like, wrestling of something. And it was her, and she couldn't open up the, uh, like, the peanuts that they were given for the snack. And I, like, sort of, like, I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, and she's, like, really struggling, and I, like, let a minute go by, and I was like, do you need help with that? And she's like, yes, please. And so I opened it up, gave it to her, back asleep I go. We wake up, and I, I'm guessing she was like maybe late 60s, early 70s, I don't know, something like that. And uh, I wake back up, the flight's landing, and we're getting ready to get off, and she goes, and I was like, well, this is a cool old lady. She wants to pound it. So I give her a pound, right? <laughs> and she like looks at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't understand. She says, open your, open your hand. And so I opened my hand, and I could feel that she had slipped some sort of money into my hand. And so I just sort of put it in the jacket of my, my hoodie, and I thanked her. And then now I'm in Houston, 
And, you know, I left Baltimore, it's like 30 degrees. Now I'm in Houston, it's like 70 degrees. So I'm like, I'm going to take my hoodie off here in the airport. I was like, oh, but I got to get that money out first. So I, I reach in. I'm thinking it's going to be like $5 or something like that. It's a $100 bill. See, that's the weirdest things that happen is I like had maybe two minutes total of conversation with this woman. But she felt prompted to bless, uh, and, and she said, this is for your ministry. So that, that money, I didn't keep that hundred for myself. That money came to Exponential. But, oh my goodness, just the strangest things happen when you continue to give and give and give and give. And so I do that, and, and we, we do that as Exponential. You know, we give and we give and we give and we give, and God blesses in that way. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you, just keep your eyes open for opportunities, and then give as the Spirit prompts. That leads to number two then on your outline. I need to keep planting seeds. Just keep planting seeds. doesn't have to be huge. Just keep planting seeds. She planted a $100 seed. But you know what? A $5 seed to God, it's that heart of generosity. So it's not the amount that matters. It's that do you have a heart for generosity. And so you just keep planting seeds over and over and over again. How many of you have seen the uh, movie The Martian or maybe even read the book? Anybody seen The Martian? Uh, what was it, Mark Wahlberg uh, that, that started in it? A couple of you have. Uh, really great movie. I'm going to spoil it for you. It's been so many years. Spoiler alerts no longer apply. Okay. Uh, the, the basic premise is he and his crew are there on Mars, and they've got a base, you know, sort of set up and everything, and uh, catastrophe happens. Everybody dies but him. And it's at the end of the mission, they were getting ready to, to come back, and he basically has like one month of potatoes as a food supply. That's all he has. It's going to take 18 months for a rescue ship to be able to come to Mars to rescue him. But what he decides to do is to plant the potatoes instead of eating the potatoes. In other words, in order to ward off starvation, he said, I got to plant first, not eat first. And that's the problem with most Americans. We want to, figuratively speaking, eat and eat and eat and eat. That was week one of the series. We spend and we spend and we spend and we spend because we want stuff for us. But if you want true blessing, it's about planting seeds. If you plant enough seeds, all of a sudden now you have enough not only for you to eat, and even more so than what you would have done if you would have just ate it all at the beginning, but then you have enough to continue to go around as well. Genesis 8.22, we read this. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvesting, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, all those things sort of just happen naturally. Really nothing we can do about it. But when it comes to planting and harvesting, there is a role that we play in that. If we don't plant, then no harvest comes. And so, again, you've got to keep planting and planting and planting and planting. Let's go back again and look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It's scripture we looked at a little bit earlier. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about giving. And he says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And so if you hold tightly to the seed that God has given you, that's all you'll ever have. But if you'll open up your hand and you'll actually plant that seed, then that seed is going to grow into a crop 30, 60, 100-fold what you currently have. 
What I'm trying to say to you is this. Some of your income that you have is bread for you to eat, but then some of it also is seed for you to sow. You were never meant to keep all the blessing for yourself. And so when God blesses you with a harvest, you have got to make sure that you are then sowing seed. You've heard me say this many, many times. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Let's say that together. We are blessed to be a blessing. Say it again. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's who we are as followers of Jesus. We have been blessed by him so much. And even if he didn't give us anything financially or materially, just the fact that he went to the cross for us, for our sins, you are so blessed that our only acceptable response is to say, Jesus, you gave up everything for me. Now I'm willing to give up everything for you. And you've heard me pray this many times. God, I'll go over wherever it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. I'll serve whoever it is you want me to serve. We pour out our lives because he poured out his life. He was generous, and now we're called to do the exact same thing. Keep on sowing, and God will keep on blessing. Now, the question then becomes this. Gilbert, how much should I keep for myself, and how much should I give? Right? Or some of you, is, is that a question of, you know, am I supposed to, like, give all of it away? You know, how much am I supposed to be giving here? That's a great question. Well, let's go back to the illustration of the fair. Remember, you got 1,000 tickets. And I've told you that for every ticket you give away, I'm going to give you 10 real dollars that you can put into your bank account. And so you're going, wow, if I gave away all those tickets, that's a lot of money. Should I just give all of them away so I have that? But then what about my family? They wanted to go to the fair. They want to enjoy the rides. They want to be able to play the games. How, how much should I keep for myself? And, and so all of a sudden, you, you start to hear the criticism, and your mind starts to play games with you, that you're going, you know, I don't know what to do. And you hear people going, see what Gilbert did? He took his family to the fair. I thought he called himself a Christian. I thought he said that he's, he's generous, but yet, look, they're there. They're enjoying all the rides. How selfish of him. Or do, Gilbert's taking his family on the three-ticket rides. There's some families, they, they can't even afford the one-ticket rides. How greedy is he? And so, again, in your, your mind, you start to think, oh, my goodness, him. Am I giving enough? Am I being selfish? What, what, am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do here with all this? And remember how earlier I said that when you would give the tickets away, you would see the, the joy on the faces of the families, and you hear the laughter, and you see the kids there on the merry-go-round, and they're waving and everything, and that brought you great blessing. That brought you great joy. But now if, if you have this attitude of, oh, man, I, I can't spend anything on myself. I'm not allowed to enjoy anything. I just got to give it away. And, and you're watching other people enjoying it. All of a sudden now, your heart's going to start to get resentful because they get to enjoy everything, but I don't get to enjoy any of it. And so that brings us to the second part of the, the, the verse that we looked at earlier there with Paul. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Once you're obeying God by tithing, 
What you then give above and beyond that is completely up to you. It's completely up to you, which leads to the third point on your outline. That is, I must give cheerfully and prayerfully. Paul here, he said, it's a decision you have got to make on your own. So you've already pre-decided how much you're going to give. This is one of the reasons I would encourage you, you know, to, to think every year, set goals of what percentage of our income are we going to give away. Remember, tie this 10%. So 10% we're returning, but above and beyond that, are you going to give away one more percent, five more percent? You know, how much more of your income are you going to give away? So set a goal. Decide beforehand. And decide who is it that you're going to help. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll never help a complete stranger. But for the most part, this is a very prayerful thing that you do. That's what Paul was encouraging these people there in Corinth to do. To prayerfully consider and decide for yourself, how much are you going to give towards this gift? But don't do it reluctantly, and don't do it under any type of pressure. See, the, the truth of the matter is, once that, that blessing blindness is gone, all of a sudden you're going to start to look around our community and around the world and you're going to start to see, oh my goodness, I could help with that need, I could help with that need, I could help with that organization, I could help with this church and that church, I could do this, that, and the other. And you start to realize, well, I only have a limited amount of income. I can't possibly give to everything. Well, God's not asking you to give to everything. He's asking you to listen to the voice of his spirit, and then when he prompts you, give towards that. Decide. Make the decision who you're going to support, how you're going to help. So be praying about it and be able to then give, but give with a, a cheerful heart, not a resentful heart. Here, here's two questions that can uh, help you as you start to do that. The, the first question would be this. What is it that breaks my heart? What are the things that break your heart? Is it poverty, orphans, addictions, sex trafficking? Is it broken marriages? I mean, there are many wonderful Christian organizations that deal with all those issues. And so do a little bit of investigation and decide, all right, is this a, an organization that if I sow seed into them, they're then going to, in turn, sow it back into this problem and, and help it out in some way. If you say yes, then support them. Number two, then, you ask yourself, what am I grateful for? So what are you grateful for? Are you grateful for here at Exponential? Are you grateful for your, your kid's school? Is there an online ministry? Is there a nonprofit organization? Uh, is there a missionary couple that you like? You see, support of someone or of an, an organization that you know and trust is going to lead to a cheerful heart because you know that the money you're giving is going to make a, a bigger impact. And so, uh, again, that, that giving, it can go anywhere to anyone, to anything. Just make sure you're not doing it reluctantly or under compulsion as you do it. Now, as we uh, start to wrap up here today, let me again thank many of you that are already tithing. You're returning back to God that 10%. And you know what? That's what allows our church to do all the incredible things that we do. If you notice, in 13 years here at Exponential, we don't do any fundraisers. We don't do car washes. We don't do bake sales. We don't sell things. We don't do any of that. Why? Because you guys are faithful, and you tithe. And so it allows us to do you know, the, the things that I hate to do, which is we got to pay for electricity and water. I mean, you know, there is building up keep. 
Um, Lisa and I appreciate that, you know, there's food on our table because of your generosity. But for the most part, we try to give and give and give and give and bless and bless and bless. One of my favorite things about Exponential is when we launched 13 years ago as a brand new church plant, most church plants struggle financially for the first three to five years. That's why most of them fail. Most churches that start, they fail. They're done within three to five years. Most of them aren't financially independent until at least year five. But we started talking about tithing from day one at Exponential, and people have just been faithful. You have been faithful. Those of you online have been faithful. And in our first year, as a brand new church, we gave away more money that year to organizations and other churches and other church plants. We gave away more money that year than the average church plant even brings in in total income for a year. And so God has blessed us through the years as we continue to just be generous and help and help and bless and bless and bless. We're not a huge church, but yet God continues to bless. Why? Because we just try to give it away. We, we give it away locally. We, we give it to, you know, you guys here are the, the first priority, and that's a scriptural thing, that if someone amongst us is in need, we come alongside and we try to help you. Now, here's the deal. You have not if you ask not. So we've gotten criticism before. You know, people have left the church. Well, they didn't help me. Well, we didn't even know you needed help. So if you have a need, let us know. That doesn't mean we can, like, meet the entire need, but we're going to do whatever we can to help meet that need. We help other uh, people in the community. Every year, you know, holidays and stuff, we're, we're always collecting stuff. You know, the family this, this past year, that the, the mom died right before Christmas. Three orphans, 10 and under. And so what did we do? We, we rallied together as Exponential and we blessed that family and we gave and we gave and we gave. Not just the gifts that you gave, but financially we were able to bless them as well in some other ways. We give to other organizations here in the area. We as Exponential can't solve every problem, but there's organizations like Isaiah 61 Ministries and, and Bethesda Mission that we partner with them and we help them to help what's going on in downtown Harrisburg. We try to help in our nation. That's why my dad's leading this trip out to the Navajo Nation in the fall. Again, I'd encourage you, take a missions trip, go there. That, that's a blessing. That's giving right there. You're giving of your time. Go out and serve. Help people. It'll change your perspective, and, and all of a sudden you'll start to see how blessed you truly are when you go into a situation like that. And, of course, in Haiti, for many, many years now, here at Exponential, Haiti has been the country that we've partnered with over and over and over and over again. Our sister church, the Alaire Church, which, by the way, means the cheerful church. That's what it means in Creole, the cheerful church. Extreme poverty, the second poorest country in the entire world. We pay the Alaire Church's entire budget for them for the whole year. That way they can just minister to the people there and not have to worry about financial pressure in a country that is so, so poor. And then there's Chedno, young man. We first met him when we went down. He was 16. He's 23 now. And in fact, just yesterday, Chedno um, 
I've, I've shared with you, things are really bad. We, we can't get into Haiti anymore. It's just so violent. The gangs have taken everything over. I, I told you a couple weeks ago, just two miles from the compound where we stay, six police officers were just killed. But Chedno, and I wish he hadn't sent me the picture, but he sent me the picture yesterday. One of the local pastors there in the town that we stay was murdered. And so he sent me the picture of this bloody body just laying on the ground there. And so Chedno's like, man, they were, we're really, really struggling. And he said, I hate to ask again, but we don't have any money for food. I mean, we have to literally sneak out to get to the markets. And Chedno is a, a guy, we were helping him get his own little market started and, and everything. But he can't even do that right now. I mean, it's literally just a matter of survival. And so I was like, is Western Union open today? He's like, yeah. I was like, head on down. Money's on the way. That's not me. That's you. That's your generosity. But it's really, really bad there. And so we continue to support them financially. And then, as you know, because we can't go there, we want opportunities for you guys to be able to travel and, and go into some of these third world countries. So we are exploring in the Costa Rica right now. And so Levi and I were there just two weeks ago. And we went to, what, six different uh, ministries and churches and sort of looking around. And we're going to be helping them in many ways. In fact, I have a, uh, a Zoom call tomorrow with Lissandro, who's the head of Singular, which was the organization that had originally invited me down uh, to speak at the pastor's conference. Uh, but um, he and I are going to be talking about some ways we're going to be partnering. But just this week, and Levi and I, we were talking about it because we sort of compared our list and we are like, man, here, here's the church we really feel uh, that, that we need to be blessing. It's called the Bridge of Hope. They're going to put it on the screen for you right now. This is Pastor Jeffrey and uh, his family and uh, some of the leadership there at his church. They live in a town called Arasi, or Arosi, uh, which is about two uh, hours south of the capital of San Jose there in Costa Rica. It's up in the mountains. It's very, very beautiful where they're at. But they have some surrounding towns and villages around them, about 25,000 people total but it's very, very poor, drug addiction's very high, prostitution um, is very high, so they have various ministries that they run right out of their church, and you can see it's a brand new building that they just built. You see one of them, uh, they're trying to do more for their next building, which is where they're actually going to house all these classes that they're doing for uh, the pimps and the prostitutes and, and, and for the homeless and for drug addiction and all that, and so they're trying to continue on, and they just do it sort of as the funds come available. And so you can see that there on the screen. That's partly, you know, uh, where your support this week went was to help them as they continue uh, to do that. But thank you again. You guys are so generous with the tithe. And many of you go above and beyond the tithe and you give actually to Exponential. And again, that is not an obligation to, you, for your giving to be to Exponential. Your tithe, you know, well, and I say this, if you don't believe in what we're doing here, tithe somewhere else. I don't care because, again, we're not dependent on, on that. We know that God is the one that's ultimately going to take care of us. Um, so in, in any case, thank you for your tithing. Thank you for your, your giving. But that's what allows us to continue to do what we're doing. Again, we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's say it again. We are blessed to be a blessing. So I want you to go out and I want you to live that every single day. Keep your eyes constantly open for, can I bless that person? Is there a way I could bless that person? Is there a way I could bless that person there? Is there a way I could bless that person? Keep looking for it. And as the Spirit of God prompts you, give. And give generously. But don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that 
Um, you have been so gracious to us. Again, not even from a financial standpoint, just that you sent your son, Jesus. You gave so that we may live. And so, Lord, now that we have life, help us to remember that this life on this planet is very, very short, and this earth is just temporary. It's not our home. And so help us to give with hearts of generosity. Help us to give in, in such a way that we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not uh, destroy and where thieves cannot uh, break in and steal. Jesus, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and to truly love our neighbors just as much as we love ourselves, even more so than we love ourselves. Spirit of God, give us that, that balance of how much am I to keep for myself? How much do I enjoy? And then how much am I to give? But Lord, that, that percentage... For some, it's going to be an extra 1%. For some, it's going to be an extra 5 or 20 or 50 or 90, whatever it is. That's between them and you, God. Help us not to judge others in that. Help us to give cheerfully. Help us never to give reluctantly or under pressure. And help us never to be the person that gives pressure or puts some sort of uh, reluctance or uh, 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 ultimatum even on somebody else that, no, you have to. No, 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 no. The tithe is a command, but giving is up to each individual person. So, Lord, help us to, to understand that and give as, as generously as we possibly can. Because we know, as Paul said, that those who sow a little will reap a little, but those who sow much are going to reap a great harvest. Jesus, thank you that you've done that in Lisa and I's lives. You've done that in the life here of Exponential Church. I want to see that in every single person that's here and every single person that's online as well. Help us to just be as generous as possible because we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.